So my message this morning, my topic is, we are the voice. We are the voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this is following on, on our series on um, being ambassadors for Christ that led us to talking about witnessing for Christ. So it's on my heart to talk about being the voice, being the voice. And I got this, you know, from the life of John the Baptist. So we all are familiar with the life and the ministry of John the Baptist. So to give us a start, let's open our Bibles to, to Luke chapter three. I chose Luke because it kind of covered a lot about, you know, the ministry of John the Baptist. Mark talked about him. Matthew also talked about him. There's a bit in John. But let's open our Bibles to John, I mean, to Luke chapter 3 from verse 1. And I will do the reading. It's a little bit a long reading because I will read all the way to... Okay, I will stop where I will stop. Now, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip tetrarch of Euteria, and the region of Trachonitis, and Lysanlas, tetrarch of Abilene, while Annas and Caliphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough way smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Verse seven, then he said to the multitudes that came out to, the, to be baptized by him, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the road to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into fire. So the people asked him saying, what shall we do then? He answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. 
and he who has food, let him do likewise. Then tax collectors came to be baptized and said to him, teach us, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him saying, and what shall we do? And he said to them, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. Now, 15, as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about him, whether he was a Christ or not, John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His windowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Hallelujah. Thank you for your patience with me in reading these long scriptures. But we can see the emergence of John the Baptist as the voice of one crying in the wilderness that was predicted in the Old Testament by Isaiah and, in, 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 and, and also even in Malachi. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way for the Lord. So John came in fulfillment of prophecy. We are all familiar with his parents' story. You know, they were barren, Zacharias and uh, Elizabeth, they were barren. And then one day came, the angel visited them to announce that they will have a son. And they gave him the, the name John and they outlined what his ministry will be, that he will be the one to prepare the way for the Messiah to come. And they said how he'll be consecrated. So, and at this time from John, I mean, from Luke chapter three, from verse one, we can see the reign of some wicked leaders, rulers and kings. They were mentioned here, Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, Herod, being tetrarch of Galilee. They were all wicked kings at that time. And before John came, history had it that there was about 400 years of silence, of lack of the word of God, of lack of the voice of God. Everywhere was quiet. So there was no voice. And where there is no voice, iniquity will continue. People will continue their own way, walking against God. So when the Messiah was about to come, God saw the need to send John. He was born six months before Jesus. So he was in the wilderness preparing himself. 
because the scripture says that while he was there, he was growing stronger and stronger in the spirit. So John was in the wilderness preparing himself for his mission. The mission of preparing the way for the Lord is an important one. So for the first coming of Jesus, we saw how powerful John emerged. His voice was powerful. So he rose up at that time in accordance to prophetic word to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And we saw the impact that he made. He made great impact. Everyone was touched. He was a lone voice because he was in the wilderness. He was a lone voice. There were not like many voices like him. He was a lone voice. Yet he was brave, he was courageous. He confronted sin. He confronted darkness. He confronted wickedness as it was. All of these kings, they could not stop him. In fact, the scripture said that Herod was enjoying what, I mean, what John was saying. If you read down, down where we have read, he said Herod liked listening to him. Although it was the same Herod that put him in prison because at a point he rebuked Herod for taking his brother's wife. John was the voice preparing all the crooked ways, leveling all the mountains, filling all the valleys of people's hearts, all the high thoughts in the hearts of men against God. His message brought them down. All the valleys in the hearts of people against God, his message filled them up. All the places, the crooked thoughts of, 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 of the man's, of men's hearts were straightened by the voice of John the Baptist. What a great ministry. And I told that as we were talking about being ambassadors for Christ and being witnesses for Christ, these aspects need to be emphasized that for the second coming of Christ, our voice needs to be heard. Christ is coming back. The first coming, John heralded it. He was a forerunner of Jesus coming. He fulfilled that ministry very well because we saw that every sphere of life was touched. Tax collectors, soldiers, teachers. He spoke to them to their face. Everyone was touched. He was in the wilderness. They were all trooping to him from all Judea and asking him, what shall we do then? He brought them to repentance. So the message, the message of John the Baptist was the baptism unto repentance. They repented, then he baptized them in water, preparing them for the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. So the message 
that I am trying to pass across this morning is to challenge us to rise up to the ministry of reconciliation that we have been called on to. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 18 says, God has given us the tax of reconciling people to him, more so in preparation for his second coming. We are living our lives today like we are not aware that there are so many people that need to be saved. We are living our lives today like we're not aware that our Lord is coming back again. And his desire is that men should be saved. We have sang in our worship that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The heartbeat of God is for the salvation of the multitudes of people that we are seeing all around the world, our communities, our neighborhood, and in our nations and beyond. Are we ready to be the voice? Are we ready to, to, to be the voice, to call men to repentance? The way men can prepare for the coming of the Lord is to repent from their sins, to repent, turn away from their wicked ways. There's a lot of wickedness. There's a lot of wickedness in our time that God is just waiting for people to turn around and come to him. His hands are open. We are in the time of mercy, in the dispensation of the grace of God, and we cannot waste it. I am challenging us this morning to rise up to this tax. Preaching the gospel, being the voice, our voice must be heard. Now we are not alone. John the Baptist was alone and look at how many people he touched. Jesus said that we are greater than John the Baptist. Now, as great as he was, we are greater because we are better now equipped. We are better equipped than himself, than John at his time, in his time. Hallelujah. So John rose up from obscurity, from the wilderness and started to preach. Are we going to rise up from our hiding places? He became a shining and a burning light. All of these things we have been looking at in, in previous meetings, that we are the light and the salt of the world. We are fragrances of Christ wherever we go. Now we have his voice. We are the voice. We cannot keep quiet. We are too quiet. The church is too quiet. I am too quiet. You are too quiet. In a whole year, who has heard about 
the Lord from me or from you? So there are a few lessons I want to draw from the life of John the Baptist. Hallelujah. So the ministry of reconciliation, we need to awaken it amongst us in our lives, individually and corporately. God doesn't bring his word for fun, it's for action. So some of the few lessons that I want to draw is that John lived a consecrated life. He lived a consecrated and a devoted life to his purpose. We know our purpose. I know my purpose, but am I consecrated to that? Am I devoted to that? Am I committed to that? So John the Baptist was in the wilderness preparing himself. He did not entangle himself with the affairs of this world. He lived a simple life. He ate simple food. He wore simple clothes and lived in simple, a very simple life. A soldier, a good soldier, does not entangle himself with the affairs of this world. We live in this world, but we are not of it. But how earthly minded we are. How earthly minded we are. We are so concerned more about our lives, what we shall eat, our jobs, our bills, where we shall live. And if we have all these things, we aim higher. We want bigger houses. We want 10 cars. And don't get me wrong, these things are good. They are very good. I want them as well. But not at the expense of this divine mission. As a Christian, as a child of God, we have the tax, the mandate. It's a command. It's a ministry. If you don't know anything about your ministry, get this this morning, that you have the mission to reconcile people back to God. And the way of doing it is by preaching the gospel. That's why Paul said, I am not afraid. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. That is how God saves people. That was how I got saved. That was how you got saved. But how will they know if no one is saying it? So John lived a consecrated life. And I'm calling us, we've said that before, I'm resounding it again, that we need to rearrange our lives, rearrange our priorities, and set a new focus for the kingdom. And for people, the kingdom is about people. God has a lot of people he wants to bring into his kingdom. He is coming back. He's coming back. People need to know that if you're not in him, his coming is not, it's not favorable. If you are in him, his coming is favorable. If you are not in him, his coming is judgment. 
Hallelujah. So John lived a consecrated life, a devoted life to his purpose. And I'm calling us to that, that in any way that we have lived our lives, you know, not focusing on the mission, we need to change. So John had a clear message, another example or, or lesson that we can draw from the life of John the Baptist is that John had a clear message. And I remember, you know, one, one of the messages pastor was giving was know your message. Pastor gave a message like that, know your message. Know what is your message? It was clear here that John knew what he was preaching. He knew his message. Repent and be baptized. Repent, turn away from your wickedness. So know your message so that you, you will not be distracted. Know how to present it. And all this, this message of repentance is key in preparing people for the coming, for the second coming of the Lord. Know your message. So, and I will add to, the, to this that be convinced about your message. You cannot preach a, a message that you are not convinced about. Be thoroughly furnished with it. Know it and be furnished with the word of God. Have it in your mouth. God says he has put his word in our mouth so that we can be the voice for him. He's very serious about that. We are his representatives here on earth. We are his ambassadors. We are his witnesses. And this aspect of being the voice is crucial, is central to the fulfillment of our purposes here on earth. And we cannot afford to be quiet. Know your message. And where we can see clearly that we need to speak, we should speak. But Christians are too quiet. Christians are too quiet because the society doesn't agree with what we have to say. The, societies might the society might blame us for being politically wrong, and then we accept to be spiritually wrong. But God is calling us today. And that's the way we can bear fruit. God has his winnowing knife in his hands. Any tree that does not bear fruit, he is ready to cut it off. If you know that you have received the mercies of God and you are saved genuinely, you have been enrolled into this ministry. God has called you into it. It's not a question of asking about it. You have the calling. You have the mandate to let people know that he is coming again and they need to prepare for him. And the way to prepare for him is to turn away from sin. 
and repent and be baptized. So know your message. Every believer should be able to preach the gospel. It is sharing your life and your experience. That's what Paul said. He said we cannot, Peter was saying that as well in Acts, we cannot afford not to speak about what we have seen and about what we have experienced. So it's about what you have experienced, what you have seen, what you have touched. Hallelujah. So from Luke chapter three, down where we have read, we saw that John did not draw attention to himself. He pointed everyone's attention to Jesus. We must not present ourselves bigger than Jesus that we are presenting. We are ambassadors for Christ, preparing people for his second coming. And that you will see in verse 30 of John chapter 3. This, this is very important because in ministry, in trying to reach people, we could lose focus, pointing them at church. Come to my church, come to my church. We want to grow, yes. We want to be big. We want to be, want to increase in numbers. But our message first is not for that. It's not about come to Good News Church, no. That loses its power. Come to church does not save people. And it is not about me as well. It's not about me. It's not about my selfish interest that I want to gain. It is about the Lord. It is about Jesus. So John said he must increase and I must decrease. We have this to learn in the life of John that in ministering, in trying to reconcile people to, to, to God, we need to have the direction for it. Because some people don't even know what to say. They go out and they are telling people, come to my church, come to my church. That's not the message. Know your message. That's not the message. If the person now asks you and say, where do you go? I want to come. And I'm not saying don't invite people to church. Sometimes it might be the beginning of where they can hear the right message. So we need a balance. So I'm not saying don't invite people to church. You can do. But remember that that is not the message. The message is repent. Repent. If you are a sinner, all you need is repentance. Hallelujah. We must decrease. Our interest must decrease. The kingdom interest is paramount to the message. So we can also learn from the life of John the Baptist that truth is costly and requires bravery. So to be the voice, you are ready to speak the truth to people. John was telling all these people, when they asked him, what shall we do then? He didn't go round and round, not knowing what to say. He says, he says to the tax collectors, collect no more 
that what is appointed of you. And likewise to the soldiers, he said, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be contact with your wages. How straight that is. And we could see also his bravery demonstrated when Herod took his brother's wife. He rebuked him. He, he told him, this is not right. This is not correct. That is the voice. That is the voice. This is not right. This is not correct. And that for that, John was taken and put in prison and he never came out. That's scary, isn't it? I don't know if I will be ready to risk it that way. But because people don't want to hear the truth, truth is costly. So that is how Christians find, find, find themselves in compromising situations. You see something wrong, you're scared. Then you turn away your eyes, your face from it. Because you don't want to talk about it. You might be the only one talking about it. You might be sacked for it. You might be put in prison for it. You might be arrested for it. I have seen a few videos of people being arrested even for expressing their rights to preach the gospel. They have not done anything wrong. They have not disturbed the peace of anybody, but just to preach the truth of the gospel. So truth is costly and requires bravery to say it. Even to one another, we can be the voice. If I see my brother doing something wrong, my sister doing something wrong, Will I turn away my face? Will I rebuke that person and say, this is wrong? So John paid dearly for it. And we could see that it looked like he didn't live very long. But in this short space of time, everything was accomplished. Everything was accomplished because he was at it. He was at it with all passion. He was passionate about it. He was strong about it. He was powerful about it. And with speed, no waste of time. How much time do we have here to waste? Truth is costly, but to be the voice, we must be brave about it, to speak it, whatever the cost. Otherwise, we cannot be ambassadors for Christ. We cannot be witnesses for Christ. We cannot prepare anyone for his second coming. So I pray this morning that God will baptize us afresh with the Holy Spirit. Because the spirit of God is the spirit of courage and boldness. He has not given us 
the spirit of timidity, now to fear. But the spirit of boldness and of sound mind. Hallelujah. So please, part of the mission is that we should speak out. We should speak out against wickedness, against anything that is not right. Don't agree with it. If you keep quiet, you're saying, I agree. Silence means agreement. Your silence means I agree. And that is like partaking in sin. Just say, this is not right. If someone is stealing, say, this is wrong. There are many things that are wrong in our time and age. Tell your children when they are doing something wrong, this is wrong. Don't be scared that they will not be happy. Especially teenagers or young adults. They put up a face and parents are getting scared to tell them the truth. Tell them the truth, you owe them that. Be brave. Say, this is not right. That's all John told Herod. This is wrong. It's a, it was a rebuke. Tell your kids, tell your children. When they're doing something wrong, correct them. Correct them, correct people. Speak out against what is bad. Because we are the light to expose evil. And one way of exposing evil is to say it, to, to reveal it, to, to speak against it. Don't keep quiet when you see wrong. Without going into details, you know that there are a lot of things today that Christians are afraid to talk about. But I'm saying, if you have opportunity, it is time to say it. And we pray that God will help us with that in Jesus' name. So it takes courage to be the voice. It takes courage to be the voice because you might be found you might find out that you are alone in that matter. Another lesson we can learn from the life of John, I'm not arranging them according to importance. It doesn't matter, each of the points are very important, so it's random. Prayer and fasting was part of the life and ministry of John the Baptist and his disciples. So if we go to Luke chapter seven, I will ask you to turn to that. This is important part of our ministry. Luke chapter seven, verse 33 to 35. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a gluten and a wine biber, a friend of tax collector and sinners. 
but wisdom is justified by her children. Jesus said this. So it's, it's part of, it's a fasted life. It's a fasted life because God told him, don't take wine. Don't, there are certain things he was not allowed, you know, to eat. He was not, he was not indulged in any form of luxurious eating because he lived a fasted life, a disciplined life. He ate simply. And I'm praying that in the face of abundance of food, milk and honey, that God will teach us the discipline of fasting and praying because it helps. It helps. And then I will read Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to, to also buttress this point. Luke 11, verse 1. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So, the fasting and the prayer life of John was obvious, open to everyone. He lived in, I mean, that's part of his wilderness life and preparation. He took time to prepare himself and fasting and prayer is part of it. It empowers us. It disciplines. It teaches us discipline. It helps us not to be uh, too earthly. You know what it means to be drunk. What do you want to think about when you're drunk? Or when you're too full? You just want to sleep and throw up. But this kingdom business, this kingdom task demands, because power is required, anointing is required, and the place to refill is that place of prayer, and fasting aids, aids this. So we can learn this so that we can appropriate this into our own life and living. Let's take this ministry seriously. That's what I'm saying this morning. Let's take preaching the gospel, preparing men to be saved so that the coming of the Lord will not be a disaster for people. When Noah was given that tax, People were just busy doing their own things. They were getting married and giving a marriage. They were dining, eating and drinking. And Noah was busy preparing the ark. He was busy preparing the ark for the rain coming. And he was speaking, speaking to people, but they did not listen. That was a big lesson for humanity. But if we don't speak, we will be blamed for not speaking. God wants us to partner with him in hastening the coming of the Lord. So every time we hear he is coming again, we should say Maranatha, 
Lord, come quickly. It's not by sleeping. It's not by dining and eating and drinking and partying. I love parties. I love celebrations. But in all of these things, we need to have focus. Our voice must be reactivated. Our voice must be awakened. Our voice must be heard in the, in the nations, in the neighborhood. Sinners must hear our voice. They can't hear us. They're just living their lives. They can't hear anyone. They can't hear anybody. They can't hear the message. They are not hearing the gospel. And I'm saying exactly what it is. This is practical. And even now, whoever dares speak is, is being cautioned. So I feel this is an important aspect because when I see things like that, it brings, it brings tears to my eyes. So let's, let's catch this burden this morning that we have a job to be done. So prayer and fasting is a discipline that we must learn. And I pray this morning that God will release grace upon every one of us in Jesus' name. We can even help each other and say, have you spoken to anybody about Christ this month? It should be regular. We should find, I know times have changed. We are in a different world than when John the Baptist lived. We are in a different world. But God, the Bible says that wisdom shall be justified by her children. There is wisdom for every generation. The fact that we are in this age does not nullify the need of man. The need of man hasn't changed. The world has changed a lot. The, law, the world has changed a lot from when he, John the Baptist existed. But the need of man has been constant. The need of man for God remains the same. That hasn't changed. We can change now method, but the message cannot change. We can trust God for wisdom, for delivery, but the message remains the same because the need is the same. So the preparation also is, is we might have more preparations to do, but there are basic preparations, foundational preparations of fasting and praying, equipping ourselves to be strong in spirit and brave in spirit that cannot change. We can learn other stuffs that will aid this work. May the Lord give us wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. So John lived a righteous life. We cannot call people to a life we are not living. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, he says, Herod stood in awe of John, knowing that he was an upright man and he liked to listen to him. An important part of our daily living as the voice is upright living. People will stand in awe of us. 
if our lives are different from others, we need to be separate. This is not the time to be entangled or unequally yoked. This is not the time. It is the time to separate ourselves. We are too blended with the world. We are too blended with the world. Christians are too blended with the world. It has reduced our power. It has reduced our impact. It has reduced our influence. It is time to be separate, to make a distinction. If we separate ourselves, God will distinguish us with his grace, with his anointing. Whatever we see the world doing, the world is dictating how we speak, how we dress, how we do things. But that is ineffectiveness. That is far below God's expectation. I am calling us this morning to separate ourselves and be distinguished. It doesn't matter how the world sees it. They might call us names. They call Jesus names. They call John names. So how do we want to be different? So he lived a righteous life. We cannot rebuke the sin that we are living. We can't. If we lie, we cannot rebuke lies. If we steal, we cannot correct it, stealing. If we don't live upright lives, our kids, our children have nothing to copy. To, to, we cannot be examples to them and we cannot correct whatever we are not doing or living. So it is time to shake up the dust, put up the heavy weights. Otherwise we are wasting our time and even we ourselves not ready for his coming at all. Hallelujah. So as I close, what is God saying to us? Acts, Acts 18, 9 to 10. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in a night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak. And do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. I have many people in this city. God has come this morning to say to us, do not be afraid, but speak, be the voice. Do not keep silence. I am with you. Know that God is with you. I need to know that God is with me. Because God doesn't send a man and he will leave you alone. We have him. Can you see his presence? 
Can you see his presence? He said, no one, he, God is down to earth here. He said, no one will attack you to hurt you. You may ask me, but they hurt John the Baptist. There is persecution part of it. If you want to keep your life, you will lose it. If you want to save it, you will lose it. But if you lose it for his sake, you will save it. These are core Christian principles that we don't remember to live by. Let's pick them up again. The presence of God is with us because this is his heart. He said, I have many people. Don't be afraid of attack. That's what he's saying. Don't be afraid of attack. Don't be afraid of the world condemning you. Speak. For I have many people in this city that I want to bring into the kingdom. God could have exercised his power and just moved people into the kingdom. But he's not doing that. He has chosen to use us. And that's a privilege. He has chosen to use us. He could speak by himself in a loud voice, but no, he has chosen to speak through us. God is calling us to commitment to this ministry of reconciliation. So we have this ministry of reconciliation to bring men to repentance in preparation for the second coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. If you read Jeremiah chapter one, you will see the same message. God chose him to speak. He put his word in his mouth and he told him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Speak. So from today, I want to speak. And I want you to speak. Let's preach the message. Let's preach the message. Let's call men to repentance. There are many people in this city. God has many people in this city that are waiting. Men are waiting. The harvest is ripe. The field is white. The harvest is ripe. He has many people in this city of Manchester. There are many people in this city of Manchester. There are many people in the world. There are many people in your neighborhood. There are many people. God has many people. He said, I have many people. They are not in there yet, but they are his people. So he's just waiting. They are waiting as well to hear the voice and they will come. Like in the case of John, all those people, they all trooped him. They were waiting for such a voice after 400 years of silence. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want us to pray. I don't know what you want to ask God today. 
from the word that I have shared. If you know yourself that you don't even know the message, pray for yourself. If you know yourself that you don't even have the courage, you don't have the bravery, you see somebody doing something wrong, you are so afraid, you can't speak it, you can't speak up against evil, against wickedness, against sin, against unrighteousness. Pray. That's not the way to live. That's not the way to live. It is time to rise out of obscurity into limelight. John was a shining and a burning light. Was a burning and a shining light. We need to be burning. Let your light so shine. We need to be burning. He preached this message with passion. Are we passionate about the gospel? Ask God to revive you. Maybe you have, you have done this in the past with passion. You were passionate in the past. But over the years, this has gone. You're so quiet. You're so silent. I'm so silent. I'm so quiet. God, revive us again. For every move of God, for every move of God, there has to be a voice. For every move of God, there has to be a voice. We are ready for another move of God. We are ready for another revival. And we need to speak for God. We need to be the voice. We need to herald the, the, the second coming of, of, of Jesus Christ. We are the messengers. That's what it means. God has sent us. If we are true children of God, we need to obey him. Thank you, God, for helping us this morning. Thank you, God, for releasing grace for every need, for every area of weakness, for every area of deadness. Thank you, God, for releasing grace. Thank you for reviving us. Thank you for restoring that which we have lost. Thank you for awakening us, oh God, and pouring your spirit upon us afresh empowering us, oh God, with courage, with, brave, with bravery, to be the voice in our generation so that we might see great harvest into the kingdom, so that we might see people, multitudes, turn to you, oh God, no matter their status, kings and rulers, teachers, soldiers, whoever they are, Lord, we are your ambassadors. God, we thank you this morning for releasing grace in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah.